living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. And maybe, maybe this would be a good time to, uh, to, to think about enthusiasm. You know, a gung-ho spirit. Because I want to talk to you today not so much about actions. We'll talk about some actions today. But I also want to talk about our attitude and our, our thought process, our heart connection. So we're going to talk about that. There's a man that I want to just mention to you that maybe you know from history. His name is Ernest Shackleton. Uh, in more modern days, uh, there's a crater on the South Pole of the moon that they think has ice in it. So everyone's trying to get to Shackleton Crater. And we're sending probes up there at some point. But it's appropriate because he was an explorer trying to reach the South Pole back at the early part of the, of the 1900s. And uh, he was very famous in England. He led three expeditions. He was not the first because there was this big race. Was actually, he, was Brit he was actually Irish, uh, but uh, there was a team of Norwegians that actually made it there first and, and so forth. There were many people who lost their lives because of the technology and transportation, that sort of thing. But it was a big race. And he put an ad in the newspaper for his second expedition. His first expedition ended in 1903. He was raising funds and trying to get people. And he put this uh, ad in the, uh, in the paper that says this. And I'll see if I can read it off my screen. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in event of success. On Ernest Shackleton, 4 Burlington Street. Do you think he would sign up for that expedition? Sounds a little sketchy at best. Here was his statement that's recorded in one of his biographies. He says, after, after that was published, he said, in speaking of it afterwards, he said that so overwhelming was the response to his appeal that it seemed as though all the men of Great, Pit, Great Britain were determined to accompany him. That's some gung-ho spirit, isn't it? Or maybe it's just crazy. I don't know how you want to understand it, but... I want to think about a, a sort of a gung-ho spirit today. By the way, if you want some good reading, just, just go online and read a biography or a short uh, of Shackleton's life. It's a fascinating read of all the things that took place. But today we want to refocus on the church, refocus on the church, our connection to the church. And may God just renew in us some of that kind of a gung-ho spirit, that kind of a spirit of enthusiasm that this is where we need to be, this is where we want to be, this is what God's doing in this era of time, and you and I get to be part of it. And I want to just tell you is just kind of three attitudes that we need to make sure we foster in place if we are going to really refocus on the church. And the church is going to have its, have its place in our lives. Now, you have come this morning. And the fact that you came this morning is an indication that you value this. There's a lot of places you could be right now. You could still be home under a blanket or a quilt just all warm and toasty. You could be, you know, have your funny, fuzzy bunny slippers on and drinking a second cup of coffee. You could be doing whatever. But you came this morning. And I appreciate that, and it says something about your enthusiasm. But may that, may that enthusiasm that brought you here this morning, may it continue to bring you here, and may it continue for all of us just to connect us back to this thing of the church. Verse 1 of 
Acts chapter 6. Let me just read these verses to you. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, quote, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good report, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we, we, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set, set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multitude greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Did you notice two things about that passage? Did you notice how it begins and how it ends? God is multiplying the church. He's multiplying the disciples, and he's grow, growing the church. And that's part and parcel of what we are to be involved in to see the church grow. I rejoice in those 23 names that I shared with you just a little bit ago that are becoming members of church. And people are, are, are coming. People are valuing this. And we've seen that over many years of our history. So what are the attitudes that we can do in this growing church? Well, let's look at the problem they face, and then we'll get to the first attitude in just a moment. Back to verse 1. Is there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists? Well, who are the Hebrews and who are the Hellenists? The Hebrews should be easy. That's the Jewish community. That's the Jews among the church that, that had that as their heritage. So they were Jewish. They embraced faith in Christ, but they were still very much Jewish. The Hellenists, and, and you might think of Hellenistic culture. Maybe you've heard that in your studies. But it speaks of Greek culture. These were, these were still Jews, but there was a faction of the Jews that believed that rather than identifying primarily in my Jewishness, my son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Jewishness, that they adopted Greek culture, and that caused the problems. There were many of the Jews that said, no, you shouldn't do that. Well, we're trying to fit into the society. This is the world we live in, and there was this struggle back and forth. And uh, what was happening was, it says, their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So there were widows among the church, probably mostly elderly, that uh, they decided as a church program that they were going to provide food for these women to sustain them, okay? And that's part of what, what they did, just like we did a, we just finished a food drive, okay? This is, this, there's a biblical precedent there to try to get food into people's hands. We took some food earlier this week uh, down to the men's shelter, shared with the men's shelter for Union Mission. So we do that all the time. So the problem was there arose this division, this conflict, this rub. This is, this is where the friction was taking place. Because those who were of Hellenistic orientation were not seeming to be getting their fair share or not getting anything at all, but the Hebrews were. So there was this line of demarcation and, and there was causing friction. Interestingly, it's almost always a problem that leads to a great solution. Have you noticed that? It's seldom do we get a solution without a problem. There's some problem that puts it forward. And maybe we should say, not a problem, opportunity. Because here's an opportunity for something great to happen in the church. Some way to make it more organized, to make it more sound, to make it more efficient for delivering food to these people. So they set out to do something about it. Look in verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, okay, let's get the church together. Let's talk about this. Let's see what we can do. 
And they made this statement. Now, you understand the 12 are the 12 apostles, all right? That's the 12 minus Judas, who had been replaced right at the beginning of the book of Acts. So the, the number's back to 12. They had a special and unique role in the church of God. They had a unique role to, to understand the truth and to teach and that sort of thing. And now there's the problem is just getting food from point A to point B, all right? And it says this. They said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. What they were doing already was good. They were getting food into people's hands. How they were doing it was not exactly ideal. So here's our first thing, our first attitude. Seek not just the good, but the best. How can we do what we do the best it can be? And that's always a struggle. That's always a, a pursuit. It's always something that we're after. But we're doing something well. We're not, we're not saying everything's wrong, everything's messed up. We're doing it well. How can we move into the best category? How can we move into doing it better? And that should be our attitude in our connection to the church. You're here this morning. I'll give you a best. I'll just put best, right? I'll just put the sticker on your shirt, okay? But how can we take this further? It all starts with an attitude of saying, this is a value. And you see the value that's in place in the church by what they said in the end of verse 2. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The Word of God is the priority. The Word of God is what we're all about. And think about those three words that's there in front of us. The Word, Word of God. God has spoken. God has announced His truth. God has said to us, this is what I want you to know. And He cared enough to deliver this message to us. The Word of God. Do you understand what you hold in your hand right now? Mine happens to be covered in calfskin leather. Yours may be you know, embedded in the, uh, the iOS of an iPhone, but however you have it, what you have in front of you, this is what God has for us. It is living, it is powerful, it is eternal, and it's what you and I need to hear. The priority of the church is to be a church that bays itself, directs itself, honors all that we do, worships within the confines of God's truth. Now, we live in a world where Maybe you've heard, we've heard this phrase saying, the message of the church will never change, right? But sometimes we talk about the method of delivery changes. I dug in my closet this morning, actually it was a storage cabinet, and found one of these. You know what that is? Some of you have no idea if you're young. Some of you still have a box of mixed tapes back in here somewhere. I remember, remember when churches had a tape ministry? And you could, right after the service, we'll give you a tape cassette of pastor's sermon, or we'll put it in a box, and you can get tapes of all of his sermons. I remember uh, Warren Wiersbe used to talk about it. He said, you know, some people are, back in the days when this was a thing, said pe some people in church are bookworms and some people are tapeworms. So uh, I don't have anything to play this on anymore. Maybe you do, maybe you have somewhere along, but, but technology changes. Now you pull out your phone, and if you can't get it in your phone, you're probably not going to listen to it. That's, that's the way we work today, okay? I even in my car will play something on my phone and it plays through my car speaker. I've just bypassed the radio and all that. I just do it direct that way. So we understand that. So we ch now change. That's why I was, actually I was looking, uh, the last time I could find in, in the archives that I preached through Acts chapter 6 from this passage was January 31st, 2012. And the reason I could find it, I went on our podcast and just went back, back, back. There it was. It's still there. 
So it's all there, easy access. And interestingly, we get records that, that, that who's downloading what, you know, and you can look that up. It's about a 12-page report. You can, you can download whatever you want to. And I, there's sermons that were preached eight, nine, ten years ago that somehow, somewhere, maybe you, someone out there is still accessing and still listening to because that, that content goes. So the methodology changed. I understand that. But here's the, here's the warning to me and to us. We still make much, everything, the best about the message. The world around us changes. We've got to find different ways to get the word to them, but the word cannot be compromised in any fashion. Just because something may be seen in the word of God that's out of fashion, out of time, that people are changing and doing something different, we need to stick to the truth. And that's what we're committed to do as a church. That's what I'm committed to do as a pastor, and we just stand for the truth. And if someone doesn't like it, you understand sometimes we're, we're so afraid of not pleasing men. And I, I, like, I like to be liked. You like to be liked. You understand that. But if someone is offended by something that we say that comes directly from the page of the Scripture, they are picking a fight with God, not with you. And we stand for the truth because the truth is that which is once delivered to the saints. It's not up for review. So the Word of God is there. And let me also say this for you. Maybe you've come this morning or maybe you're listening this morning and you've never embraced faith in Christ. You're not one of His followers. You're not one of the disciples like this text says. You need to make sure you listen to the right source and listen to the Word of God. And I would say this to you. If you are sick, I would advise you to go to a doctor. If you have a serious illness, go to a specialist. If you, if you need some treatment, get the best treatment you give. We, we, we have wonderful medical facilities, wonderful medical professionals, wonderful medical knowledge. Use all of it that you can have access to. But you understand, at best, medicine can only make you live a little bit longer. Medicine cannot, never has, never will prevent you ultimately from dying. Maybe from our point of view, you'll die a little later than you would have otherwise if you didn't take good care of yourself. But it cannot prevent you from dying. That's a sure, surety that is absolutely unchangeable. Maybe you need to listen to the words and go to a specialist who has a bestseller of all time that promises that if you will believe in him, he can prevent you from dying eternally and give you everlasting life. Now, you'll still go through the physical process of dying, but the real you will live forever. And someday, he says, you'll even get a new body. Is that not the deal of all deals? Is that not the opportunity of all opportunities? But you know what? I might do, that might have to change my life if I embrace faith in Christ. It'll be a change for the better. And more importantly, he'll help you make the change. You don't have to do this all in your own efforts and your own strength. If you need Christ, I or one of our pastors or a Christian friend you may have come with, any of us would love to have a conversation with you and help you understand what it is to be a follower of Christ. It starts by listening to his word. Listen to the one who can give you eternal life, not just to somebody that can give you a slightly longer life. And that's available for you. So they gave themselves to the word of God. So as we seek the best, let's find every opportunity we can to do the work of the word of God. Now that takes some practicality as well, okay? It takes some practicality to make things operate and that sort of thing. As I listened to that message from 11 years ago, I, I, I was talking about some things that was going on in the church. One of the, the big thing that we were thinking about was we needed to make sure we had enough money to pave our parking lot because there was grass growing up through the cracks in the parking lot. 
I don't think there's any grass out there now. We have it's all been redone. Someday we'll have to redo it, I'm sure, because it doesn't last forever. And we were going to, you'll you'll remember this. We were just about ready to hire a new church secretary. That was a new full-time church secretary. We hadn't had that before. That was a big step forward for us. And as great as those things are, we've come a long way in the last 11 years, and God's been good to us. But all the things that we do always have this goal in mind. How can it enhance delivering the Word of God so that people can hear the gospel and trust Christ and followers of Christ can learn to follow Christ by hearing the Word of God? So we need to come with this attitude. The best I can get is, what does God want me to have? And yes, we put this stuff online. There is a podcast. This is streaming live as I speak. And that's a great thing. But this is how I view all those things. Those are bridges. Uh, you know, a bridge when you can't be here, that's a good bridge to keep you in the series, keep you in line. Use that if that has to be. But if at all possible, let's gather together as the church of God. If that you have that ability, you have that opportunity, I would encourage you to use that enthusiasm to say, I want to be there as part of that. So, secondly, seek to build people. Seek to build people. Here's their solution. Therefore, brethren, verse 3, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So there is that statement. We're about prayer, we're about the Word. Okay, that's what we're about. But build people. We need to build people. We need to, people are the solution to this problem. So let's appoint these people that they are going to be over, over this ministry. They can figure out that everybody, they can ensure everybody's getting the right amount of food that's distributed, distributed efficiently and effectively and economically and all those sorts of things. So let's, let's get a team together. Let's get a team together and we're going to identify them and we're going to empower them, appoint them so everybody knows these are the guys. And they're, they're the ones you have, you have a problem with the, your, you know, some widow not getting. These are the guys you go to. We need to give ourselves to prayer and the word of God. And it says something about this. The people of God are always the solution. Uh, you would not want me to be in the food distribution business, okay? You would definitely not want to be, me to be in the food preparation business. Uh, you would not want me selecting menus and cooking food. Some of you are excellent at that, okay? So, but together with all the skill sets we bring together, we can do amazing things, okay? And we can do amazing things together. And we have done and we'll go to let us continue to do that. So he says we need to build people. Well, who do we build? Well, first of all, we build followers. That's the gospel. That's the outreach. That's the multiplying of verse 1 and verse 7. There were people hearing about Christ. And that's, we, we need to make sure that we never lose that focus. Next Sunday, as we head into just six weeks before Easter, will be next Sunday, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of outreach. We're going to give you a very simple, very easy way to do some outreach to the people you know this is coming up to Easter time especially. Okay, It's going to be very easy. You can do it. And you think if the 300 or so of us all go out and just talk to two people, I mean, we can spread the message of Christ very broadly. We can scatter the seed. Now, what, what germinates, takes root, and grows and re- results in a harvest, that's God's business. But we're going to be able to do that. We can do that together. So we need to build people. So what we're going to do is just give you a simple tool to be able to do that. And then we can take that and run with it. So we do that. So we build followers through outreach. We build service through worship, being together, loving each other. So these people got together. And then you would assume under their team they had other team workers. You know, maybe, maybe it's geographical. North Quadrant, do you guys take care of that? And, you know, this place out there on the outskirts of Jerusalem, we take care of that. You understand... 
at this point, the church, the church is strictly Jewish believers, and it's only located in and around Jerusalem. Okay, so it's a very compact thing at this point. So we build servants, and we do that primarily by saying what you do is important. Notice they don't say, now they, the priority is on the word of God, and you guys are going to be delivering food, but they do not say that one is intrinsically of lesser value. No, let us do what we're called to do, and let's call, let your calling be what you're called to do. Because there's something very significant. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you would just give a cup of cold water in my name, he would give recognition to that. Now, that's about as simple a thing as you could possibly do. Here, you need a drink? Here's you some water. Pass that on. God honors that, and God blesses that. So whatever you're called to do, I give thanks for the people who are you know, work down in the nursery and the preschool area, okay? That's also a place that probably it's best to keep me out of for long periods of time. That's not my, that's not my, 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 my strength. But there's people right now taking care of your kids and teaching your kids, the people up here to do music, the people that do things behind the scenes to make sure this is all set, and what we do when we go out living the Christian life in a community to show people that Jesus is real. That's servanthood. And then to develop leaders, as we build people, we identify leaders. And it's interesting that, that they, they, how they do this. It says, we're going to give ourselves to, continually to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And then it says, it pleased them, they like that. And then it gives this name of the seven people. Two of the names you'll know if you understand Acts. There's Stephen, his story is told in chapter 7. And then Philip, his story is told uh, at the end of chapter 7 and uh, into, uh, as he goes forward into that and then into chapter 8. So those two stories coming up. Interestingly, every name on the list is a Greek-sounding name. The Greek believers were feeling like they were left out, and then they come along and said, okay, you guys are part of the solution. Oftentimes you see that in the church. I'm seeing a problem. Well, you know what? You could be part of that solution by figuring out a way to do this better. And it comes with this mindset that God is building us, we build people, we value others, and he takes what could have been a thing that just really was very divisive in the church. It became us versus them. It became yours and your stuff and my, me and mine and ours because you're getting this and we're not getting this. And it was very destructive. It could have been very destructive. Instead, he calls them back to say, what's most important? The Word of God. What's also important? We need to build people. People are more important than anything else. We love people. And you know what? There's been times that I have done something in the church and I go to get something that I need and where it used to be is no longer there because someone else among the 300 or so of us thought they needed it and did something else with it and sometimes I find it and sometimes I don't but you know what rather than saying be frustrated I need to say I'm glad that there's people here doing stuff for God's glory there's a pastor I knew years ago named Alex Montoya he pastored in Southern California I remember him sharing one time with me he said the janitor of his church came into his office and said, Pastor, there's kids that have written stuff on the bathroom, the stalls of the bathroom, and you've got to put it into it. You've got to stop it. I'm sick of it. And I'm sure he was. I don't recommend anyone write on the walls, okay? But he said, I looked at him and said, you need to praise God. Praise God that we have these rascally kids that come in here because in addition to making mess of your walls, they're hearing about Jesus. People are more important than the buildings. People are more important than our stuff. People are more important than our convenience. Build people. That's our attitude. Lastly, we need to pull together, not apart. 
And you see how they just pull all this together. This solution becomes, this problem becomes a solution. So they appointed these, as we saw them named in verse 5, and they set the apostles, they set, excuse me, they set before the apostles, they, when they prayed, they laid hands on them. That was the identifier that they were to do this job. And what happened? Verse 7, then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. It just kept going. Here's the, here's the where it gets a little bit convicting. God's work has been going on. It's been going on for 118 years here at Mount Calvary. August of 1904, a group of people got together up on the hillside right across the interstate, up on Mary Street Hill, and they decided to have a church to reach the community here in this part of Charleston. Been going ever since. You and I are the, the latest addition of a, of a series of additions of people who have called this place home. We had one of our older members go to be with the Lord and his funeral was last, last Monday. Bevan White is his name. He'd been a member of Mount Calvary for 74 years. He had served here. Did all sorts. He was a former deacon, sung in and, and, and the choir, did all sorts of things for the Lord's glory. But this is our time. This is our time. And we do not want to be the one or the ones that mess it up. We don't want to be the ones that get in the way by having a rotten attitude by developing an us versus them, by being frustrated because of the messiness of working with people. We don't want to be the ones that get in the way because we need to be about the word of God and prayer, both to the lost out there and to us as disciples in here. They pulled it together. And notice it says, And the number of the disciples greatly multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And that's a remarkable thing because the priests were totally steeped into a culture of Judaism, and for them to embrace Christ was, was radical. They probably were not going to be functioning in their occupation like they once did because that would put them in a, a, real, a real jeopardy. So they jumped in. So what do we need to do? We need to pray. We need to put a priority in the Word of God. We need to serve. We need to tell. We need to thank. We need to do all those things. And just simply this, be enthusiastic about your church. To be enthusiastic about what God is doing. And... You understand, as I said earlier, that uh, medicine can only extend your life. It can't give you eternal life. You and I are not going to sit in these seats forever. Unless Jesus comes back and we're still alive, we're going to say goodbye one last time. And maybe some of you might make it 74 years. I don't know in this church. But wherever you are in life, at some point we're going to hand the baton on to the next generation. And with God's help, it needs to be our determination that we're going to do our best, that we're going to build people, that we're going to pull together, not apart. And if that's our attitude, the work is going to go on. It's going to continue to multiply. And it has done that for 118 years. One year before this church was founded, Ernest Shackleton came back from his first adventure in Antarctica. And then he was raising money, that, that, that raising people, that ad, that ad I showed you, for his second that went out in 1910. In 1904, there were no airplanes flying over Charleston, West Virginia. In fact, the previous December, the Wright brothers had just flown their first flight in Kitty Hawk. There were no paved streets in Charleston, West Virginia. It would be another four years before the first Model T ever rolled off the assembly line for Ford Motor Company. That seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But you know what hasn't changed? The church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word of God has not changed. 
The need for the gospel hasn't changed. The need for us to pull together, to build people, and to be people who put the priority seeking the best, which is to follow the word of God and be people of prayer. It hasn't changed. Let me give you one more statement. It never will. It never will. So be enthusiastic about your church. Be enthusiastic about taking it out. Most of those folks that you saw this morning that are joining and coming, I think this is probably true because it normally is. I haven't heard all their stories, but this is normally true. They got here the first time. first time they walked in the door because someone said, why don't you come visit our church or visit my life group or visit my whatever activity we're doing. To, maybe through a family connection, to a friend connection, coworker connection. But we need to be out there being enthusiastic about what God is doing among us. Are you ready to do it? I don't think I need to put an ad out and say, low pay, darkness, outcome doubtful, join in. The great news is God, God invites us all to join in this great adventure. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.